This episode of Roderick on the Line is brought to you by HelloFresh. HelloFresh is a meal kit delivery service that shops, plans, and delivers your favorite step-by-step recipes and pre-measured ingredients so you can just cook, eat, and enjoy. Learn more about HelloFresh right now by visiting HelloFresh.com. Hello. Hi, John. Hi, Merlin. How's it going? Super good. Are you having a nice morning? So far, a pretty good morning. Pretty yeah. good morning. You know, I'm trying to I'm trying to uh, practice better sleep hygiene. I've heard rumors about this. Yeah, and the sun now, uh, the sun has become my friend. <sighs> the sun bit. accommodates us. It's finally like a normal day. Yeah, except we're about to daylight savings time it again. Ugh. Like a week from now, it's all going to go to shit again. It's only <laughs> in the last week that sunset feels like a normal time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I don't and mind. That, the, I don't mind the dark morning, but it feels like it came up. I mean, you're in a different uh, latitude, longitude. You're in a different uh, horizontal than I am. That's right, latitude. What, is, uh, what does that do to your day? Uh, what well, it both. Means... I mean, it's it's both, right? Because I remember being in Portland and thinking their time feels different here. It is different. Yeah, yeah. in the summertime, the sun doesn't go down until like almost ten. Mm. Uh, but in the winter, especially after the. After the the daylight savings time comes in, uh, the sun goes down at four. Yeah, and See, so that, that, that's too early, John. That's too early. It's the worst, and there's no reason for daylight savings time up here. It doesn't. It all it does is is pummel us. Um, nobody cares if it's like light at. Doesn't that give your family more but, time to collect their potatoes? Yeah. Yeah. It's so so appalling. It's like when you get home from work, it's already dark. When you get home from school, it's like already dark. There's no daylight. That is hard on my lady friend. Man, she works for a living. It yeah. sucks to leave work while the sun is setting. That is oh, gross. It's terrible. Well, you know, when I was growing up in the winter, you never saw the sun. I, I had a classroom. My fifth and sixth grade classroom was in a converted locker room. <laughs> Because the, Hot. the because the school, my elementary school had been a, a Catholic school, like a private school, and somehow the city absorbed it. But there, but it wasn't quite big enough to to accommodate all the students, and so they and also there weren't locker rooms because it was an elementary school now instead of I mean I think it was a Catholic junior high or something. Okay. So they turned the locker room into a into a class and it was great in there it was like this it was like this little uh, it wasn't little it was big but it was all carpeted they'd carpeted the floors i think they'd carpeted like they put carpet on everything they could and it just felt like a, a little womb in there mm. but the, the problem is you would go in in the morning and it would be dark and you would come out at night and it would be dark Ugh. and it was like you just I mean, I guess on <clears throat> sunny days they would they would give us recess and we'd go outside and get a little sun, but you, you, there weren't windows, right? So you couldn't mm-hmm. look out and even see. Well, that's no good. That's no good. Today. That well, throws off was, your body clock. It does, but it was like living inside of a beanbag chair. I mean, mm. I can't, now that I'm talking <laughs> about it, I kind of miss it. I wish I could <laughs> go back to my fifth grade class and just curl up in the corner and read Watership Down. Mm. That's and a sad book. You Left Alone, it is a sad book. Mm-hmm. It is a stat book. Um, I want to circle back to your sleep because I, I, I ha- I'm not up to date on your other program, but I'd like to hear about your sleep. I'm just, and I've talked about this too much lately, so I'm just going to say this. I'm, uh, I have feelings about time, and mm-hmm. I, I have a lot of feelings about time. 
Mm-hmm. And, and it keeps on ticking. Mm-hmm, and the, yeah. I, I, my thought on this is just pick one. Just pick one. Pick a time. I mean, if we're going to do daylight saving time, let's do that all the time. If we're going to do the other one, let's do the other one. But let's just do one and stick with it. It's The change is you have a kid now that's old enough that you're probably facing this. Mm. When daylight saving time starts, it feels criminal to a child. Mm. Mm-hmm. It's not even near sunset. You're supposed to go to bed mm. while the sun is still visible in the sky. Mm-hmm. Are we farm people? No offense, Marcia. Um, are we... What... What what is happening? We need yeah. to just get one and, and stick with it. I think time. I have a lot of other feelings, but just for the purposes of this program, I just want to say let's not overcomplicate this. It seems like daylight savings time and the electoral college. <laughs> okay, I'm starting a list. Are the right. same, right? They're mm-hmm. both things that we need to eliminate, but there's a lot of investment in it that no, you know, it's like a, the sunk cost fallacy. Nobody really cares what we've invested in them. Like it's not, it's not like, um, uh, it's not like it would cost us really any money. We just, we're just emotionally invested in these dumb ideas that are, and also like. And the electoral college is getting worse. The time thing sucks, but it's always sucked mostly the same. The electoral college problem is getting worse. Yeah, but there's no, you know, that's not like the, it's not like the people in power presently are going to do anything about oh, it. Oh, I know, I know, but as more people move to cities and as collections of various political parties tend to get more kind of collect or pool down to these same areas i mean come on Mm. montana really Mm. it's awful so but what do we do it's another example of uh of uh what what uh of a situation where they just need to give us the keys it's that do nothing congress (laughs) it's that damn do nothing congress that keeps changing our changing our clock every year i blame the government wasn't it Arizona that decided in their in their uh, way they they passed a referendum where they wouldn't celebrate Martin Luther King Day and also they wouldn't go on daylight savings time? Oh yeah, oh yeah. Mm-hmm. And is that still true? Is it still the one state that won't switch over? Well, I remember there were uh, hip hop songs about that. I feel like, and I'm pretty sure that Arizona is still off the daylight saving time. But, but there's you know there's videos you can watch about this that are that will that will make you extra super mad because there are there are areas where like two two different uh, sides of the street you know are like in different times and there's there's stuff that's just bananas. Oh, I'm so mad already. Yeah, that's not. I'm right. so mad. I'm so mad. You know, it's like splitting families apart. It is. It's, it's like, a kind of uh, temporal civil war. Yeah, that's right. That's mm-hmm. exactly what it is. One side over here, the other side over here. It's got no soup. Yeah, and the brother against brother, but the other one doesn't find brother out for an brother. hour. It's just like uh, in East Germany. I remember uh, seeing after they took the wall down, there were all these situations where it, I guess when the wall was there, it was maybe less clear because there was a giant wall. Mm. Uh, but when the wall went down, you realized how many places <clears throat> out in the countryside that they – that the, just like in Berlin – they ran this wall down the middle of the street, and there was a house over here, and there was a house over there, and all of a sudden there was a no man's land between them where they had been, like, neighbors where you could call from the porch and, like, yodelay hee hoo or whatever mm, to the That's miserable. The that's, that's so arbitrary. It's like a tornado. You know, you just... It's ridiculous. It's crazy. It's crazy. And and you you can stand in those places now and just be like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait, 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 wait. These were two separate countries before? Like... 
Like, really, it's across the street. What else goes on the list? I've got, uh, I still want to talk about your sleep. I got daylight saving time. I got the electoral college. Are there other things that were once a good idea for a reason that are mm. sticking around uh, in a way that's, that's perhaps harming us more than helping us? Hmm, that's a good question. Yeah, yeah we'll, we'll think on it. I got, I got a list started if you think of anything. Well, you know, I'm thinking, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about that stuff all the time. I, you know, I usually, usually think about it in terms of <clears throat> like top-down organization rather than bottom-up organization. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, there, there are ones that are just like bees in my bonnet. You take like something like a fax machine. Where it's almost like uh, like anthrax or polio or something. We're like, as long as any of them are still out there, we might get a fax or need to get a fax. They need to be eradicated. They, we need to just say, as a people, we are not going to use this. It once served a very important purpose, but there are so many better ways to do that at this point. Can I put that on the list? May I put fax machines on the list? Yeah, please do. You know, it, until very recently, only, it feels like only a year ago even, I was still getting... Emails from people saying, well, just fax, just print this out, sign it, and fax it back to me. Mm-hmm. And I always refused to do it. And there were a lot of... I just <laughs> and now they want you to use an app that doesn't work. Well, so then... <laughs> Those are fun to follow. For, for the last year or two... They, <laughs> just they, download it, this Adobe app. <laughs> yeah, it's been like, oh, no, use DocuSign. Mm. But I do a lot of my business on my phone, and a lot of those apps are badly... Well, I don't have to tell you about no. an app that's badly... This uh, is a line in the sand, galloping. though. You said this to people in positions of power, where yeah. basically if you can't do it on your phone, you're not going to do it. Right. And I said I said to a guy the other day, he was like, well, just send me an invoice for that. And I said, you and I have been doing business for 22 years. Mm-hmm. Do you need me to fucking send you an invoice? Are you serious? Mm-hmm. Are you serious right now? You need an invoice from me? <laughs> like, write it out on a piece of paper and sign my name to it. You, you know, I don't give a shit. But what what world are we living in that you... Yeah, I need to send you an invoice. Because I sent him one. He needs it for a system, probably. He's got I a system sent, like that. The thing is, I sent him one, and he's like, oh, I can't open that. Oh, <laughs> because I because I did it in pages because oh, I don't mm-hmm. have Word or I don't know I don't know man I don't know you I don't should know be able why to just send a text hey. file it says, send me two hundred dollars motherfucker right so and then, don't make it a check I'm putting checks on the list so he says oh well if I was the biz I can't send it to you because I'm not the business manager if oh. I was the business manager I'd do it and I'm like you're the manager what do you mean business manager? so you're dealing with the manager manager. You're the manager manager. Mm-hmm, You're telling mm-hmm. me that the business manager has got some system that you are like, yes, ma'am? Mm. Like, you're the manager. Mm. Who's this the is, manager? This, this is why Trump won. Let me speak to the manager. <laughs> Let me speak to the but, manager manager manager. <laughs> Let me speak to manager cubed. <laughs> but DocuSign, and mm. I know this is not a plug. It's, it's, the, it's, the, it's an outlet. It's the opposite of a plug. <laughs> but DocuSign in the last... Nine months, let's say, has finally gotten to a point where more than 60% of the time I use it, I don't fling my phone across the room and scream. Well, that's that's nice to hear. Yeah, so I just signed a contract a few days ago. I signed it on DocuSign, and, and it was one of those... It, I think some we crossed some line where these apps now are starting to say, like, ah, you've been here before. Yes. Right, like like Square. When you when you when you go to a shop and you use your credit card mm-hmm. on Square, it no longer, in most cases, is confused by who you are and wants you to put your email address in. Right. right. If I mm-hmm. use a credit card on Square now, I get a receipt in the 
in yeah. the email. It just has decided. It's figured it out. It's figured out for the most part. There are still some places that are like where the where the person behind the counter says, "Would you like a receipt? Would you like a receipt?" And I'm like, "Yes, I always want a receipt." And they're like, they turn the thing around. They're like, "Just put in your email address." Mm-hmm. I'm like, "I would rather give you a pint of blood <laughs> than stand here and put my email address in for a receipt." You a point of sale terminal for my blood. I'm like, you that's know what, what you're going to get before you get an email address. I want you to fax me the receipt. Yeah. I want you to fax it between two slices of bread, and I want to. <laughs> I want you to put it between your knees. <laughs> this episode of Roderick on the Line is brought to you by HelloFresh. You can learn more about HelloFresh right now by visiting HelloFresh.com. This is a new sponsor, and we're very excited to have them because they make some great stuff. Here's how this works. HelloFresh is a meal kit delivery service that shops, plans, and delivers your favorite step-by-step recipes and pre-measured ingredients so uh, you can just cook, eat, and enjoy. So convenient. You choose your delivery day for whatever works best for you and your household. You can even pause your account if you're going to be out of town. And all the ingredients come pre-measured in handy labeled meal kits so you know which ingredients go with which recipe. This is so cool. They're actually color-coded. So if you're a total idiot like me, uh, you don't end up making the wrong food. That's no fun. They help you. Colors. So flexible. They give you tons of selections and options. HelloFresh offers a wide variety of chef-curated recipes that change weekly. You can choose from three different plans. You can go with the classic plan. That is a variety of meat, fish, and seasonal produce. The veggie plan, you get vegetarian recipes with plant-based proteins, grains, and seasonal produce. And you can go with the family plan which is quick and easy meals with all the yum-worthy flavor the whole family will love. And HelloFresh makes it so easy, so easy to cook delicious, balanced dinners for less than $10 a meal. What? No more time-consuming meal planning or grocery shopping. I happen to really dislike both. You're not going to have to plan dinner. You're not going to have to go spend money on takeout. And you're not going to be worrying about gathering ingredients week after week after week. They're going to help you with that. Here's some of the notable recipes that are out there. Hall of Fame, customer-voted favorite. You get the Juicy Lucy Burger with tomato onion jam and arugula salad. Arugula. Premium selection for dinner upgrade. How about this? Lobster ravioli and shrimp with tomatoes and tarragon cream sauce. Yum-zalicious. Or you can try a kid test recipe. Mates, specifically with with families in mind. That's going to be your easy-peasy ravioli gratin with spinach, thyme, and Parmesan breadcrumbs. Sign me up. Last week, my special lady friend made us amazing chili from HelloFresh. I had it the next day, and it was like the best leftovers ever. It was so good. And she wanted me to share with you that she thought this was a great service. She says it was a breeze to make, and that she was especially impressed with the way the ingredients were packaged and presented. I agree. Good job, honey. So here's what you do. You go, get $30 off your first week of HelloFresh by going to HelloFresh.com, and you're going to want to use the very special promo code R-O-T-L-30, R-O-T-L-3-0, $30 off your first week of HelloFresh. Our thanks to HelloFresh for supporting Roderick on the Line and all the great shows. (laughs) Well, okay, here's the thing. I I don't want to go on about checks, but, uh, you know, the thing is a check check made sense. At a time when you were... hmm? The check people? Oh, no, sorry. Now, I'm not talking about the metal, the metalists. No, but like in a time when most of us were using American green currency and coins to pay for things, checks made a lot of sense. So like if you want to get your sea monkeys, right, you might you might send a send a check or or whatever or your rent because it doesn't make sense sense to uh, send your two hundred dollar rent check or to send your two hundred dollars in in cash in the mail. Like you don't want to do that. 
No. And so you say, please accept this little piece of paper with my signature. That's going on the list. With my signature on it so you know it's me. Mm-hmm. And then my bank will give you this much money if it's in there. Mm-hmm. That made a lot of sense. But now we're not doing that so much. Now, people, especially the millenniums, the millenniums don't even understand what cash is anymore. I believe me, I That's see it at the Walgreens. I- at the Walgreens, they want to buy some Altoids and they use their, they use their, their chip card. Yeah. That's why I keep uh, I, I keep paying millenniums for things in uh, in Canadian currency because they don't know the difference. I'm like, here you go. There's two loonies and a toonie, uh, and they're like, thanks, thanks, man. Preach, bro. Is this, is this real gold? <laughs> That's a Canadian doubloon. They call it a doubloonie. A doubloonie. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Yeah, they uh, they they put it up into their mouth and they they bite on it because they've seen Olympians do that with their gold medal. Oh, our prospectors. <laughs> yeah. Did, oh, I, I, everything uh, I know about counterfeit uh, counterfeit uh, money, I learned from prospectors. <laughs> I uh, actually still get a book of checks. Oh, be- I know because I pay uh, people that come around. Oh, sure. Know what I mean? Uh, Sam wouldn't turn down a check. I bet. No, no, no. In fact, I paid him with a check. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I pay people uh, that come around. I, I like to have every kind of financial instrument available because there are a lot of people that I do business with that don't uh, that don't trust the banks. You want a German bearer bond? Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. That's right. Um, and the way I get them is that I, I shut down the entire electrical grid. Mm. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you the FB. You smell, I, smell that coffee? They pack them with coffee. <laughs> Um, but, uh, I, I just, I just found out the other day because, uh, you know that I don't like to sit and yell at companies or corporations. You? No, like, that's not going to happen. I don't like to do it. But mm-hmm. recently Chase Bank. <laughs> so <laughs> I got a little, I did get a little note from your mom. I didn't understand the note, but I knew yeah. there was some kind of a problem and Chase yeah. was now in your bad books. Yeah, there's a problem. There's a problem. We've okay. written we, we've written a thousand word letter to the to the <laughs> state's attorney general. Did you get the whole team together? You got you got Susan on it. You got mom well, on it. <laughs> so so you know a letter was drafted and then it went out and we edited it down mm-hmm. and then and now it's ready to send. Oh boy, the, the, the state's attorney general is going to hear about it. <laughs> Stand by. <clears throat> When I was growing up, we always used the National Bank of Alaska, hmm. and there were a lot of there was the Alaska it's not a state federal, bank. It's a national bank. Well, the National Bank of Alaska. The, okay. uh, it's the bank of the nation of Alaska. All right, AK. Uh, when my dad worked for the Alaska Railroad, we used the Alaska Railroad Employees Federal Credit Union, uh, and that was my first book of checks. And when my and I was like twelve years old, my dad was like, "I'm getting you a checking account," and I was like, "Oh my god, I'm so big, I could almost drive." Uh, and they let me pick out the kind of checks I wanted, and of course, I got the ones. With the Western theme that looked like old parchment, and my checkbook looked like hand-tooled leather. That's a good look. That's a really good look. I was really impressed by it. And so, because I wanted to be prepared, I went through and I signed every check in advance, so I didn't have to worry (laughs) about doing it. Is that right? I was at the cash register. I was just like... So you created a a hand-tooled leather book of uh blank checks of <laughs> blank, blank signed checks yeah <laughs> uh, that was my first experience uh yeah, before that my bank account that i had down here in seattle when i was a kid you know i had a bank book uh, they, uh n- not only millenniums won't understand oh, like a passbook. this book yeah but even like generation y won't understand what that is but they give you a password a book like a passport it was and it was like a little ledger yeah and every time you made a deposit they would 
like write it in this book and 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 every time you you uh, made a withdrawal and so you could keep this little book mm-hmm. oh my god i poured over this little book you mm-hmm. know because every every time somebody would give me 25 cents i would put it in a shoebox then when i got up enough money that it was worth a trip to the bank i would carry my shoebox into the bank oh man and give them and open the lid and say like here I made a dollar doing this and I mowed the lawn for six weeks and let's say sir I, there's a lot of people in line <laughs> no 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 of course they loved kids because everyone had all the time in the world back yeah, then. that's true that's true you right. can there'd be sixteen people at uh, windows yeah right you know? and the carpets on the floor and they were giving away toasters going oh, to the oh, bank toasty, was a great that's time. like my first digital uh, clock radio came from a bank bank right I first time I, I heard Supertramp was on a bank radio. Really? Oh, hmm. the ra- it wasn't at the bank. No, it no. Was- I had to take it home, plug it in, take out the box and whatnot, yeah. But National Bank... And, and last- it wasn't a real digital clock. It was one of the ones that flipped. It went, oh, the flippers. Ka-chuck. I was at a, a thrift store the other day, and I saw one of those, and it was the same one that I'd had as a kid. Oh, and I, I was walking through the shelves, you know, looking at all the crap, and I saw this thing from afar and just had that, like, that burst of familiarity of, like, what the hell is that? Like... There, I've seen a billion clocks at thrift stores. Why am I having this reaction? I walked over to it, and it was like, yep. oh, the bu- this is the button that I would every morning hit, hoping that it would, the alarm would stop ringing and that I would never have to go to school again. Mm-hmm. And there it is, this biggest day. I Speaking almost sp- bought it, but then I was like, don't no. buy it. Speaking of sleep, the one that I had um, when I was probably at my nearly most sleep-deprived, I want to say around eighth grade, uh, it had a real nice feature if you were having trouble sleeping. Uh, you couldn't get to sleep at night. And you know what it would do? Um, before the minute card flipped, it would uh-huh. grind a little bit. There would just be here a little bit of like, and then it popped uh-huh. over. And so, oh, I guess it's 12.03 now. <laughs> oh, here comes here comes, And you anticipate it. You're like, oh, here comes 12.04. Shit. <laughs> Oh, back when things were things. Oh, uh, things were just things. It was so simple then. Things were things. Clocks were clocks. Well, I hope you'll follow up when you you know get a response to the letter. Oh well. So anyway, oh, so yeah, when more. I, good, good. Yeah, okay. I, 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 I don't know if this is. I don't know if this is bad opsec for you to talk about banking things. But since you're walking out the door, I guess you're free to talk about it. Yeah. No, it's good. That so so Washington Mutual. I got my first Washington Mutual account really early on in the ninety one mm-hmm. because I tried to use U.S. Bank. And U.S. Bank had this program that they were really excited about. They touted this program called Overdraft Protection, mm-hmm. where if you if you wrote a check and you didn't have enough money to cover it, they would cover it. It was Overdraft Protection. That's magic. And I was like, I was like, that's going to be great. You guys cover it. Fantastic. All right. And then I made the natural assumption that when you then put more money in the bank, they paid themselves uh, and whatever little charge they had. Uh, and and everybody was good. Uh, but in fact, what overdraft protection was, was that they paid your debt and took the amount that they'd paid and put it in a separate account because they were loan. It was a loan. Oh, that's how they get you. Yeah. And so then I would make my deposit of my paycheck and burp, 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 merrily on my way. Well, one day I went into the bank and they were like, you're $500. You have $500 in your overdraft protection account. And um, it's accruing at 24% interest or something like this. And some banker told this to me. And I was like, what are you talking about? 
because each one of these twenty dollar checks that had that had that would have bounced. Oh, it's accruing toward them. Or them. Oh, that's that's the wrong kind of accrual. Right, and they had not. It was not clear, and they were like, "Oh, well, if you'd read the fine print on the thing that you signed, it was one of those. If you'd read the fine print things." Mm-hmm. And so at the time, I was pretty young. I didn't fully understand uh, the repercussions of everything that I did. And I said, I am closing my account. Good day, sir. And that set in motion a situation where I was getting phone calls uh, in an attempt to collect a debt. And any information will be used. Oh, they miranda you. For, for 11 more years. Oh, yeah. Every time, every time I had a house with the phone number, <laughs> Mr. Roderick, does it make you feel like, does it make you feel like a big man not to pay you bills <laughs> <laughs> for this five hundred dollars I owed U.S. Bank? But anyway, I went to Washington Mutual. I loved my relationship with them. They were right there on Broadway. They got big. I remember them being in Florida. It was they were they they became a big bank, but they were originally a local bank. I had a account number that when I would. When I would go up to the teller and they would read my account number, they'd say, oh, wow, you've been here a long time. This is the old style of account number. Hmm. And I always took a lot of pride in that. You know, mm-hmm. I, like, I like to have an old style account number. And then they got too big for their britches. They screwed up. They, they became a behemoth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and uh, they fell apart. Well, the, the, they, lost, they lost a little bit of that personal touch. They really did. Mm-hmm. They really did. And they also lost like several uh, tens of billions of dollars. Yeah, well. And then they were absorbed by Chase Bank, a faceless New York banking enterprise. And and largely it was because of my old account number, my my now like account number that predated five different iterations of of the bank that I just hung in there. I was like Oh, right. I'm going to hang in there, you know, because I've got this account number that starts with 059 or something, which, you know, which it's it's hard for me to, you know, when I call AAA and they're like, thank you for being a member since 1997. I'm like, you're goddamn right. Mm-hmm. You're goddamn right, AAA. You provide a good service, even though, you're, even though your customer service is about 50-50. Yeah. Anyway, Chase Bank has started... They they wanted us to use their take a picture of the check and it'll it'll deposit mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. But um in the last year they have disappeared three separate checks. No. Where they they said your check has been deposited, here's your mm-hmm. number, you know, here's yeah. your transaction number. And they sent the people who whose check it was, a canceled like canceled check. With my signature on the back, facsimile, yeah. but did not deposit the money. That's that feels like I don't want to talk out of school here. That feels like a a failure at a fairly fundamental level for what one mm. considers a professional bank. For what a bank is being asked to do. For what we still actually need a goddamned bank to do. That's right. And so they're like, hey, early adopter, grab on this technology. Where you just take a picture of the check. Mm. You kidding me? It's so easy. Why do we even do it this other way? We'll just take a picture of this check. It's like when you, you go on you go on an app and they're like, oh, just put your phone over your credit card and we'll scan it. And then it'll be in your account. And you sit there with your phone trying to square up the credit card for like a minute and a yeah. half. Like, you know, I could have just put the number in by now. Anyway, so we so it was my bookkeeper who discovered this. 
my bookkeeper who said, wait a minute, there's like $5,000 missing. That's a lot of money, John. It's a lot of money. So we called them. We called their customer service operation, which was in Bangalore, mm-hmm. right next to where they make the torpedoes. Okay. And we talked to some people who... They were able to resolve it very quickly, I imagine. Ultimately, what they said was that uh, a banking relationship between a bank and a customer is a, a relationship that requires some mutual effort hmm. in the sense that the bank can take your money and give you a number uh, for the exchange. But then it's really the onus is on the customer to make sure that the money was there. Oh, you fucked up is what they're saying. By not Mm -hmm. being sure. You didn't follow up? You didn't follow up to make sure the check went through? Is that what happened? Yeah, I didn't check the bank's work, and that was part of our mutual obligation to one another. Oh, see, now you know. Yeah, the yeah. bank takes my money and give, and tells me that it's fine, but then I have to make sure. Mm. So that precipitated. Well, that really, very- that really kind of like if you think about what is a bank actually good for? I mean, mm. one of the obvious things is like, okay, they got a pretty secure facility. If you mm-hmm. want to put your deed in a safe deposit box, you would do that. If somebody sends you a piece of paper that says it's worth five thousand dollars, they'll take care of that. But right. like, what if they said then? You know, you should really be checking in on that box. Huh. You know, if, yeah, right. you, you should you should pop in once in a while, and make sure that deed is still there the way you left yeah. it. Yeah, make sure that the that we didn't like uh, break it open with a crowbar. I thought you understood our it. relationship. So believe you me, my bookkeeper really had a lot to say on this matter, and wrote. She tends to write very long letters, hmm. and then my job is to to you know punch them up a little bit, make make them a little bit hmm. tighter, tighter. Mm-hmm. Anyway, she's going to the state's attorney general. But in any case, okay. But you're the manager. We, manager in that case. Yeah, but we have we're now switching our bank, and I and I this is another bank I've had a long relationship with because this was the bank where I did the banking for the Roderick Group. Oh, right. And what I had realized, I didn't know this, I guess, because I had registered several aliases at that bank because I was in a phase then mm-hmm. before I started. <laughs> Before I really started taking bipolar medication, <laughs> where I got another DBA, <laughs> where yeah, if you had the option of registering an alias, I would do, I would do it. <laughs> you dove out the door and did a roll. Gotta go. Gotta go run for office. <laughs> but Manager what I, out. <laughs> what I did and didn't even realize I'd done is that you can write me a check. You can write a check to hashtag supertrain and I can catch I can cash it. <laughs> Please someone do this. And I don't know why I haven't have had people do this for for like 4 years. Wow. If, if somebody's like, "Oh yeah, I can write you a check." Just say like, "Yeah, make it out to hashtag supertrain." I can do that. Wow. I wonder if that ever see now I could see that screwing up the system because that's got a special character in it. Well, it does and I'm and I'm not sure either about whether or not the hashtag is just for fun. Oh, uh, I see. But we should ask John I, Syracuse about this. He'd know. Well, and I and I actually I sent an email to my banker and I was like, "Can I really do this?" And then I realized, "Wait a minute. I can get checks made that say hashtag #supertrain." Oh my god. I could get a platinum business card that says hashtag #supertrain on it. Oh my god. And if it was one of those new ones where the numbers just like kind of etched on the back, 
mm-hmm. would look so badass. That would look super badass. Yeah, I'm not great for this bounce on Super Train. Just also, also, I can get checks written to all the great shows. Oh my! Like, uh, I did, I did, I don't even remember doing this. I must have been in an absolute fugue state, and I think at <laughs> you one had a lot point, going on. <laughs> I did at the time. I was very busy. I think even my banker offered me the option of getting checks made with with a stencil picture, like a like a clip art picture of a GMC RV on them. Mm. And I guess I I guess I maybe forgot to to give him the go ahead on that. Wow. Now I'm kind of now I I partly regret it and partly am kind of fine with it. That I don't have those. <laughs> so you're moving banks, that's good. It feels like a good step. But I mean, now do you kind of like- feel like you need to ride that? Like if you do the, uh, I mean, that's a pretty common thing now. You take a photo of a check, send it in. Like, do you feel like you need with your new bank or your new old bank, your super train bank, you still feel like you need to kind of ride that and monitor the relationship? Well, it's interesting because it, when I was at Washington Mutual, I didn't have enough money coming and going uh, that I had a banker, but mm. I knew the tellers. You know, I'd go in there and like, hey, because I, it was like the old style of yeah. banking. The, those people worked there for a long time, and uh, you would go deposit your paycheck mm-hmm. all all the time. You would, you'd go in there, and it was two blocks from where I worked, and it was like part of your day. Go to the bank. <clears throat> that was like a, that was part of the ritual. Like go to the butcher shop, go to the bank. There was like this this certain like these at least weekly errands that I was compelled to attend as a kid yeah. that were just like part of life. Go to the post office. Yeah, right, right. Post office buy, bank. Buy your 13 cent stamps. Mm-hmm. Post office bank, hardware store, grocery store. Mm-hmm. Um, that was back when I carried a little laminated card in my wallet where I'd written down the phone numbers of everyone I knew in tiny, tiny, tiny little letters. Oh, that's and then so I, smart. Then I laminated it with scotch tape or with packing <laughs> tape. It was like a piece of paper, and I would put packing tape over the front. Well, we had to consider, you know, this is, we still had the specter of nuclear war hanging over our head. We had to be ready to jump into a bunker at any time. Oh, oh, I'm reading a book right now uh, about the United States government's, like, the basically the Cold War strategy for continuity of government um, and, and the whole... Like where the plan started during the Truman administration, like, wait a minute, if the Russians were to drop a bomb Mm -hmm. on the White House, do we have a plan for that? And the answer was no. Why would we never had a plan? Like, like, like the first I think somewhere in the book is a story like the first day of uh, Harry Truman's presidency after FDR died. Mm -hmm. They're like, you're the president now. And he was like, great, I'm going to the bank. And he walked out the door of the White House and started walking to the bank oh, where, he had, where he did his banking. And, and the Secret Service was like chasing after him and they shut down the street and suddenly all of Washington, D.C. is like paralyzed because the president like snuck out a side door and went to the bank and didn't realize or didn't factor in that he couldn't do that anymore. He was already vice president. How would he not know that? But as vice president in 19... In the 45, 40s, yeah. But like in the 40s, because he wasn't he wasn't FDR's vice president until that, that final term, right? Until... 44? 44. Um, and up until that point, you know, he'd been a senator. Wait a minute. So wait a minute. If he was elected in 44, he came in... January 45. So he'd only been, it was April when Roosevelt died? 
he he was he was vice president for two months. Oh my goodness! And then it's like, oh, you're the president now. I if I knew that, I forgot it. That's super interesting. <laughs> it's really interesting, and I think the story is that he can that he got a message like, Harry, come over to the White House. We need to talk to you. And he said, huh, that's weird. I've only seen the president twice since the election. I wonder what I wonder what they want. And he walked over to the White House and Eleanor Roosevelt was waiting for him. Oh, my goodness. And she was like, Harry, you're the president now. And he's like, shit, I got to go to the bank. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I got to go make sure my checks went through. But I think until until I'm, here, the I'm about of the to get war. a lot busier. <laughs> right? Until the middle of the war, there was no secret service protection for the vice president. They didn't think it was necessary. Who <laughs> would bother? So he just walked around and then I think it was then they realized, "Oh, wait a minute. He's the next in line and FDR could die any day. We'd better put We'd better give him two agents, you know, to kind of make sure he doesn't get lost. Right. And 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 Truman but was, it was like, but it was more of like minders. Yeah, and yeah. he was like, get off me, you know, you get out of here, kid. You're bugging me. Hmm. Uh, but then he realized, oh, you can't do that anymore, Harry. You're the president. But so this book, yeah, it's about all of the secret, uh, you know, gra- gradually. And I I didn't know this either, but there was a whole period in the late 40s, early 50s, where conventional wisdom. In the United States, seemed to be that our future as a country was going to involve us basically moving our industry underground because of the threat of nuclear war. Yeah, yeah. So the, the so <laughs> a seemingly go- survivable nuclear war that will let us continue to have milling machines underground for perpetuity. That's right. So uh-huh. they so government agents went around and did an enormous survey of all the caves in the United States. And they were like, well, let's see, if we just requisition all these caves, if we eminent domain all these caves and we build, uh, like, uh, General Mills... Are, are you serious? Is this factories. real? This is real. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. so Dr. Strangelove in the Mineshaft Gap was not so far off. No, no, no. They, it was... It was it, there was a period there, and I think it was... I think, depending on who you were talking to, the period was either long or short... I think a lot of people in government who had actually seen the the pictures of Hiroshima were like, oh, wait a minute. This is a lot worse than we thought. There's nobody. There's no surviving this. Yeah. But they didn't really they didn't disseminate that to everybody. And so there were a lot of people running around like, well, you know, built, not just building bomb shelters, but but um, but really envisioning that the entire country was going to move out from the cities, get out of the center so that we weren't as easy a target and sort of, you know, like disseminate our business and, 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 uh, manufacturing sort of out into the, out into the woods. The United States basically becomes a series of horcruxes. So, so if we distribute, if we distribute everything and, uh, I've seen that, uh, that movie where they wear sunglasses when they're watching Bikini Atoll, we should be pretty good to go. We dig a hole in the yard, we move our industry into, uh, uh, Oklahoma and everything will be fine. Yeah. There were actually real estate advertisements at the time for houses in upstate New York and Southern Virginia that were like, you know, this is a beautiful farm. It's well outside the blast zone. Oh, my God. Was this also around? So, I mean, I, I there's gosh, there's been so much presidential stuff floating around about just the way laws work. Like when did it? Is it officially like a law, a rule, a policy, for example, that the president and vice president don't fly together? Isn't that a thing? 
so this happened circa. Is this that era? Is this what this we're talking about? This is that about? era. Okay. <clears throat> yeah. That 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 they realized that that, that this is when they developed those elaborate uh, hierarchies where, you know, I mean, it's it, I think it had always been that the that the uh, speaker of the house ascended to the presidency if you know if the president and the vice president were. But dead. they finally codified like when interior comes into the picture. Yeah, and this went all the way down to eventually what happened was if the secretary of interior dies. There, the guy that's running the Tennessee Valley Authority is next in line to become Secretary of the Interior in the future administration post-apocalypse. And somewhere down the line, there, there's like, there's a, a, a list of succession that's like 60 people deep. Like that's insane. The, like the mayor of Skokie, Illinois, becomes the president of the United States at some point. If the if the seventy five people ahead of him in line are were all vaporized, and every single cabinet member also has this train of potential successors, and in situations where the U.S. gets on a real war footing, all of those people know they're on that list, and they get some like beep 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 beep, 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 beep like like some telegram activating this like. Defcon one thing, and it actually has a name like that, like like Concom one. When when this uh, set of conditions occurs, this plan goes into action. The word goes out. We're now in uh, space White House mode, right? And some of those people, the the Tennessee Valley Authority person or the person that is in charge of the Grand Coulee Dam, like a federal agent or someone else empowered to do this shows up and becomes that person's bodyguard like we need to protect you sir like don't you, you can't go to the bank today wow uh, because you are 42nd in line to be uh the secretary of of uh housing and human welfare or whatever yeah so and so as the 50s wore on the government became less and less convinced and then less and less interested in this project of putting the Amer- all of the American people underground mm-hmm. and all of our industry, they were like, you know what? This isn't going to work. This is really... This doesn't like, seem very scalable. No, like Carlsbad Bad Canyons, we could put like a few apartment buildings. I think, they're pretty, I think a cave is pretty moist, John. It's, it's moist. It's, it's moist and, and it's moist. dark. It's, there, there's not much parking. No, and where are the, where are you, where are the potties where would go? You go? Where would you go out to smoke? <sighs> think about that. At the time, that would have been a big issue. A huge issue. What are you going to do? You're going to go up the mine shaft? You're going to ride an elevator outside to have a butt every 20 minutes? I'll tell you what. I'll go up your mine shaft and have a butt. Mm, 50s. <laughs> but so the government did not abandon this project when it came to themselves. So they, so basically, they, as far as the American people were concerned, the government was like, let's do that civil defense thing where we show them a lot of like cartoons mm-hmm. of kids ducking and covering. <laughs> and uh, A and, turtle's so cute. Yeah, Nermal the turtle or whatever. Uh, like, look out, kids. Hey. That was the extent of the plan. Oh, and they built the interstate highways, I guess, too. And the uh, internet. And uh, Well, eventually. I mean, is that in the book? Uh, the DARPA, the DARPA, but the, isn't that um, at least the lore that I always heard was that what we consider the internet today started as a DARPA project to be able to maintain continuity of communication and uh, structure after some kind of a devastating event. 
Yes, right. And that whole pro and so I'm I'm not that deep into the book, but that all came after they realized, oh, wait a minute, how are we going to like how are we going to stay in contact with the Department of the Navy if everything blows up? How are we going to stay in contact with General Mills? How are we going to get our Captain Crunch? <laughs> and little by little, you know, they He got they, a, he got a field promotion. He's a colonel now. <laughs> Colonel Crunch. <laughs> Colonel Sorry. Crunch. No, he wouldn't be a colonel. What would he be? He'd be a. What would you call it in well, the navy? He'd be oh, I, I just really, I just really shut my ass, didn't I? <laughs> oh, you're talking about. Oh, he's in the navy. He's of in course. the navy. So, so what would he be? He go from a cap, the captain Crunch. is like a colonel, right? Yeah, he'd be Ad Admiral Crunch. This is confusing. Is the... So you think of Hawkeye. Hawkeye's a captain with two bars in the army, but right. I believe a captain in the navy is like a, a colonel or yeah, full yeah, full full bird colonel. That's right. Okay, so That's then right. he become and a he become a, a would he become a, a brigadier general? He would become a a, a rear admiral. He'd become rear admiral crunch. <laughs> rear admiral crunch. <laughs> Why is that funny to me? It's pretty good. Okay, sorry. <laughs> rear admiral crunch. It's a lot uh, of things. But so they continued to build secret installations for government people to survive the war, caves and. And uh, underground bunkers, not just the one from war games, but like all over. Every single state has an underground bunker for the government people to escape to. Mm. And all these elaborate plans and they have they have secret laminated cards that have <sighs> not only the numbers of all their friends written on them. It's like, but it's also... like if Dr. Strangelove were written and directed by Wes Anderson. Yeah, right. You know, Except... you get walkie talkies, you get laminated cards, you get cool uniforms. Oh, I bet, I bet those, what, what is, it's that Terminator movie, the third one where they find that, that bunker in the mountain, right? Isn't that the third Terminator? I don't acknowledge that movie, but that sounds like it could be right. So, and they go in and, and the whole thing is decorated super mid-century modern, oh, like a sunken God. living room and what all this stuff. Dream. Well, isn't that the ultimate bachelor pad? Right, right. Uh, it's like, it's like, a, it's like the Playboy Mansion, except like hardened against the grotto is a real grotto and it doesn't have cum in it. it no but it has a lot of a lot of hanging moss that came from yes. the sweat of and cigarette smoke of all those people <laughs> in there <laughs> you, imagine, you imagine how much coughing there'd be in that cave that wet air Ugh. all those palm malls oh the consumption <laughs> everybody would <laughs> the farts think about the farts <laughs> oh. have you been recently to a hotel that has not been upgraded from uh, from times of yore. Uh, well, I feel like the um, I got. Uh, I think you told. I told you my sad tale of woe, where I got stuck in. Uh, where was I? Anyway, I recently got stuck somewhere. My flight got canceled. I had to stay overnight. And you know, I'm a Marriott man. They put me up in a Marriott, mm -hmm. and uh, I think it was that rare thing where I was in this Marriott, probably right at the end of the cycle. Where the furniture is a little oversized and like brown wood and stuff. It hadn't gotten that light look that you see in most hotels today. Right. Yeah. 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 I mean, the, it always strikes me how much, especially given how many uh, basically old, like disused SROs get turned into hotels now. Like it's weird what gets attention and what gets upgraded. But yeah, most of them seem like they've gotten an upgrade in the last 10, 15 years. But you'll still get some where there's like, well, so like the one you were at in San Francisco where there's bits of carpeting that have been replaced because probably blood. Total. It's a that was a total SRO, a, a classic, a classic hotel that probably until recently um, <laughs> shared, shared down to a shared bathroom, right? Uh, well, uh, the rooms had bathrooms and and looked like bathrooms that had been there a long time. But 
but almost certainly almost certainly 25 years ago if you walked down the halls of those uh, of those floors it would smell like fried fish <laughs> because people had hot plates a hot plate and they were <laughs> they were frying something up in there uh-huh. um and if you looked that's up from not, the street that's not John that is not a very friendly thing to fry in an SRO Oh my goodness. Oh my, my goodness. God, it's just going to cling to every fiber. <laughs> and it's not going to, it's going to be like close to like a bait fish quality, probably. Uh-huh, that's exactly what it is. It's not going to be is. like a lightly sauteed halibut. <laughs> no, it's a white fish fried in oil. <laughs> you want some skink? <laughs> I, I stayed in enough of those places and I've looked in enough, in enough doorways at a guy in an undershirt <laughs> with a cigarette in his mouth frying fish on a hot plate. And He's I, just on fire a little bit. <laughs> And, and at the time when I was, you know, when I was 22 or whatever, I didn't realize that the world was going to change. Yeah. Because this looked like what it what I what what it looked like in the 50s. You know, until the until the 90s, there were still the 90s are going to be the 50s. <laughs> Look like the 20s. <laughs> but there were always like old guys in undershirts frying fish on hot plates in single room, single room hotels. I thought that would always be true. I didn't realize that all those hotels would become ace hotels and uh, be $350 well, a night. I'm just, I'm sorry. I was just looking at my phone trying to find where were we? Where were we when I met um, the guy from TV and we hung out and you got the nice room and I got the not nice room? Was that was that Portland? <laughs> guy from tv yeah i met that nice guy oh, from tv with the jaw uh that, that yeah, nice yeah, man sure. I, I like james um sure james urbaniac uh, james urbaniac i like that guy yeah that was the that was a a classic, classic. like classic siemens hotel <laughs> uh, and you're gonna want to go to the siemens <laughs> the siemens hotel rooms are cheap <laughs> They don't mind if you fry a fish. <laughs> if you got a hook for a hand, they'll give you a good room. <laughs> and the doors are really accommodating for a hook hand. But don't you be putting the bones down the sink. <laughs> <laughs> that was the that was the hotel room where I opened the door one time and there was, there was right, just a, a mystery. Well, there was a single walkie-talkie lying in the center of the room. And I was like, uh-huh. is this the beginning of an adventure? And mine looked like I don't know, like an updated version of the prisoner. It was, it was yeah. like it was a very, very tidy cell. Yeah, yeah. How yeah, do you yeah. not well, put a TV in a hotel room, John? Well, because <sighs> we don't even have TVs. Is it That's for a- cunnilingus? Is that what it is? Like, there's no place. There's no. There's no drawers. You can only <laughs> hang your clothes. Basically, you could throw pillows in cunnilingus. That's the whole thing, right? You go in <laughs> there. You're gonna wash your hands. You might. Well, sure, you might want to brush your teeth. But like, is, is it because young people have so much sex they just want to get on the bed? Is that what it is? Because the bed is real central to the room. No, I think you come in. You put. You, here, here's what you do. You okay. you take your your. Nanamica bag, you set it down, mm-hmm. you pull out your can of mustache wax, you pull out your can of hair wax, you pull out your can of eyebrow wax. Your hog fat hair tonic. Yeah. You uh, you untie your uh, your, your your bindle. <laughs> <laughs> That's the next thing. It's going to be hobo, hobo chic. It's going to be the next thing. Yeah, it's already It's going to it be an artisanal, an artisanal handcrafted bindle. Yeah. You let your hair. You let your. It's going to be a locally, locally sourced neckerchief tied around an, an artisanal, uh, 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 responsibly sourced stick. That's right. That's right. Well, yeah, like a like 
like a um, a renewable stick. Renewables. It's going to be like that a hardwood flooring site on NPR. It's going to be all recovered hobo sticks. That's right, hobo right. sticks that they found in a pile at the big hobo massacre. It's like didgeridoo. It's like you don't you don't make a didgeridoo. You find a didgeridoo. Okay, so you go in the room. You're ready for some kind of lingus. You take out your bindle. You got. Well, so you got here was the, here was the philosophy initially. You remember initially yeah. when you first heard of. Um, Boutique hotels. Well, and artisanal anything. Oh, okay. Right? We're going all the way back. We're going to set the, set the way back machine to all the way back to the first time you heard the word artisanal. Bread. Okay, right. I, I now, remember hearing about, we actually have a loaf in our refrigerator right now that says artisan bread. Mm-hmm. I think bread, if memory serves, is the first thing where I heard somebody use that where they didn't mean like you're an artisan making wagon wheels. You're not a mm-hmm. cooper. You're not a Fletcher, right? An artisan bread. Right. Okay. I think the first time, I don't remember the first time I heard the word artisanal, Mm -hmm. but I do remember, well, the first time I heard artisanal was from you, but the first time I heard- I appreciate the credit on that. I I think, I think I've really given that one some legs. (laughs) You sure did. Uh, Yeah. I think the first time you said it, I had, I had about 30 seconds of like- very slow thinking where I was like, what is he saying? Oh, is he oh, coming on to me? Wow. It is. It does I am say an artist. artist. <laughs> um, but, but I, so I dated a, uh, I dated a gal in the nineties who was part of that whole, I've told you about her, who was part of that whole, uh, take find jeans in Montana for 50 cents, bring right. them to Seattle, find like uh, old jeans, uh, for 50 cents at thrift stores in Montana, bring them to Seattle, sell them to a broker from Japan for $1,500. He will take those jeans to Japan and sell them for $15,000. <laughs> wow. And she was really early on in this game. She's, she's I know like a, a, guy like a that, pants miner. She was. And I know a guy who was a literal pants prospector, <laughs> and he made a fortune. He bought himself a house just driving around Montana in that weird era where all these old guys were dying, their old buckle back Levi's were going to the Goodwill, mm-hmm. and uh, and you could drive around and just go to Goodwills and just flip through stuff and be like, oh, check out these jeans. They're worth twenty thousand dollars. And uh, how, okay, so uh, in, in just Japan. real quick, I don't want to I don't want to break the goof here. How, how far off is that really? How much were they were they charging for jeans in Japan? Like over a thousand dollars sometimes. Uh, uh, up to five figures. And, and oh, like and if you got in, some really authentic '60s made in the USA Jefferson Airplane era Levi's in the right condition with the right uh, what's it called hinge jinje jinje hinge you're gonna you're gonna be able to move that at up to five figures. I mean, at, right now, if you find a pair of of '60s Biggie Levi's, uh, you can sell them online for. Uh, good, good money. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was there was a bubble in that market. Just like there was a time when, um, when a nineteen fifty nine Les Paul. I mean, there were fifty nine Les Pauls that were selling for a million dollars. Um, that's not true anymore. Oh, I see what you mean. Bubble. Yes, yes, yes I do know it. Yes, 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 yes. They're like a tulip type situation. Yeah. So there was a while where it felt like. Um, so yeah, right here, I have a pair of vintage fifties, Biggie Levi's for $5,500. Oh, Jiminy. On Etsy. Um, 
We've got, uh, let's see. No, those are from 19. So this pair of jeans from 1987 is $250. Like this world still exists. In... <laughs> Here's a nice pair of vintage men's Levi's XX gray oh, acid wash jeans. Mm, They're only $24.99, so you can just pick those right up. Acid wash jeans. Can you believe that? 32.36. That's a slender to kind of taller fellow. But there were these, but but the even older Levi's, the ones that had like a buckle in the back, okay, um, were uh, were super prized among the the like fashion cognoscenti in Tokyo, and and I don't think you can still get that kind of money. But this friend of mine who did this work, who drove around Montana, he said, I have my retirement and my like. Um, my escape bag, my my keep a small bag pack. Yeah, under my bed, I have two pairs of jeans in this bag that, um, if I need to, I can live off of. <sighs> he sure wouldn't trust it to a bank. No, it's under his bed. Wow. You know, there's a famous story of a woman that was out in the out in the sort of outside of Sacramento, and she was just out in the gold country. They call it gold country, and she found a mine shaft. That was just sort of open, and she walked in just touristing, you know, just like booping around, boopity boop, and kind of walked into the mine a little bit, maybe further than you would do if you weren't bold, Mm -hmm. and turned a corner, and there was a table, and there was a pair of jeans on them that were like an old patched pair of jeans, and she pulled them out of there and was like, oh, look at these, you know, look at these old great jeans. And they'd been patched and whatnot, and she brought them out, and uh, they're the oldest pair of Levi's. <gasps> the, like oldest surviving pair? The oldest pair. No one at Levi had ever seen them, and she brought them in, and they became like these talismanic pants that were, you know, that were just... The er Levi's. Mm-hmm. Right, right, right. But so that was my first experience of understanding that there was value in something that wasn't an antique, but was, you know, like a soft good. And it wasn't, uh, it wasn't, it wasn't clear where the value actually was other than scarcity, I guess. Scarcity. Was also, the- it's, it's interesting how, I mean, I guess this is obvious, but it also sets a new bar. In some ways, where you think about, like, oh, wow, it's almost like breaking a record, right? Like, where somebody breaks a record and breaks it by, like, more than 5%. And you're like, wow, we're capable of much more than we realized. Mm-hmm. So that might kind of reset the market a little bit, because now people are going to go, oh, are there more of these out there? Should we, should we go a little bit deeper into the cave and see if there's some special pants? That's exactly right. And I remember sitting at her, because I would sit and watch her do her job, and people would come in with a big stack of Levi's. I bet, and, you, get a, I bet you get a pretty good eye for that. Oh, you get a really good eye. And she had this... She already had that that attitude. You know, she had really, really dark brown hair, and she mm. dyed it black. Mm. She dyed it black for no reason. Like, it was already as brown as brown could be, and she was like, black. Oh, man. <laughs> was this, you said this in the 90s? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. that's so 90s. Well, I had I know, the brown black hair. hair. Oh, dark, man. Dark, dark, dark red lipstick, and she would sit and <sighs> smoke cigarettes behind the counter where she worked, and oh, people would come in and say, I got all these Levi's, and she would she would flip through them with such disdain mm. where the I'm person so attracted this woman I haven't met <laughs> the, the person on the other side would just feel so bad for themselves for bringing this stack of jeans down to her 
And then <laughs> it's everyone's... like when you go to the record store. You're like, <laughs> exactly oh, no jacket right. required. Well, that's a tough one to get. Thanks, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> totally. She'd be like, um, thanks, but no thanks for these. But I will take this pair. And you're just like, wow. And she was one of those people that had the ability to go to a thrift store, buy a puffy coat, and make it seem like it was from the future. Mm. It's like, how did you make that seem like it's from the future? That's like a mom coat from 1981. And she's just like, I don't know, man. That's a gift. What? Yeah, why are you talking to me? And it's like, I'm your boyfriend. Yeah, yeah. I'm entitled to talk to you. <laughs> uh, but so I think the premise as we moved into the whole thing of like, well, these boots, admittedly, these boots are $500. The premise was that you'd only need one pair, right? Mm-hmm. Right? It was It was that, yes, things that are made in America, things that are made by hand are going to be a lot more expensive. Oh, this is how you get to the artisan thing, you're, you're saying? This is how you get to okay. the artisan thing. Okay, sorry. Got it's it. going to be a lot more expensive, but we're, you're already used to paying $3,500 for a pair of Big E jeans if you're anybody. Mm-hmm. You're just making that mental transition. You're not going to have seven pairs of these boots. You're going to have one. Mm-hmm. And that, and just sit with that for a second. You're just going to need, you only need one. Shh, just one. Just one. Just one. It's going to be very expensive. But it's all you need is the one. It's like finding the one true beard comb. Yeah. One yeah. beard comb, gonna, that's all you need. You're going to have one can of mustache wax, not four. <laughs> And that idea, like, I remember it kind of reverberating. It actually, it it hit the, the top pair of Levi's in the stack of 40 pairs of Levi's I had, and it reverberated all the way down to the bottom. And I was like, wait, I only need one pair of Levi's? I think that's wrong. Hmm. <laughs> I think I need all these. Maybe I don't need all these Levi's. Right. But I definitely need more than one pair. And then that was all of a sudden there was denim that was made at the that the white cone mill in in Osback, Tennessee or whatever, Os, whatever uh, Carolina. It's like, well, yeah, these jeans are five hundred dollars, but you only need one. Mm. Yeah, <clears throat> jeans are tough. Now, if it's a top hat, or, or, uh, <laughs> you don't need four sure. top hats. You need sure, one. You only need one. One really nice artisanal. Top. <laughs> Single top need, hat, yeah. You only need one. From a small batch Tennessee top hat factory. <laughs> but I think when they check into those fishermen's hotels, <laughs> and yeah. there's like... I, oh, it's all coming together now. You know yeah. what? It would be embarrassing. Don't don't embarrass me. Don't embarrass yourself by giving me the fucking drawers. What am I going to put in drawers? I have one yeah. pair of pants and a top hat. Yeah, you open the door to your room. There's no TV. There's a walkie-talkie on the floor. There are mm-hmm. two hangers. And there's a little Lo- locally area sourced, the locally sourced hangers, locally sourced hangers that are carved out of out of prehistoric whalebone. Mm-hmm. You hang your one jacket that costs twelve hundred dollars on it. You put your artisanal boots on the floor, and then uh, you lay back and read your artisanal book. Mm, you only need one. You don't take a you and your jacket. Your jacket is one of those like band leader ones, um, right? There's there's no jacket required. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're right. It's a, it's like a. That a top hat? Wouldn't that be a smart look? You're walking around. Your one pair of pants. You got your band. Well, what do you call that kind of jacket? Like an Adaman jacket? There's a name for that. Uh, yeah, I would say it was the. Um, it was the. What is the? What is the guy? What is he called? He's the. We've um, covered this. Damn it! Yeah, we're, we're just talking about this. Ant vest. What's the Adaman vest a, called? 
It's like a Bob it's Pollard a, jacket. You got the uh, oh, not, not band leader. It's the it's the, uh, the sergeant major, the oh, something major, the drum major, drum major. It's yeah, but there's a name for that particular vest. You're talking about the one with the multiple, uh, but the, the froggings and stuff on it, frog- and the they got the froggings waistcoat. They call it a waistcoat in England to make it even more confusing. Oh, they do. Oh man, there's so much vintage Adam Ant stuff. Look at all of this. You can get a Bonaparte hat. I call him Bonaparte. <laughs> uh, we call him Bonaparte because we're still mad at him. Still mad. Yeah, we're against him. We're mm. against him, not for him. Uh, well, I actually. It sounds went... like I'm the one. I'm the one that needs to adjust. I need to get out of this mindset I have. I'm going to bring seven pairs of me undies for the two days mm-hmm. that I'm there. Mm-hmm. I need one pair of underwear. I need one right. bandmaster jacket with froggings. That's and right. I, need, I need one top hat. And even though I don't have a mustache, I should probably bring some bring some, uh, some some mustaching some oils. Way. You can use it on your eyebrows. Okay. If, if you get one of those pairs of Mack Weldon silver underpants, yeah. those aren't cheap, but you can wear those day in and day out because the silver will uh, anesthetize the bugs. I'm talking about the antimicrobial silver. Yeah, the microbials, mm-hmm. yeah. Our thanks to HelloFresh for supporting this episode of Roderick on the Line. Hello, Fresh. Hello. Yeah, I, lots of I froggings. A, uh, hmm. I, I, I was in the market for this kind of thing not very long ago as I was compiling my uh, King Neptune outfit. Yeah. And I contacted a man in Canada uh, because what I really wanted was a jacket from the Royal Canadian Mounted Police. Oh, wow. But what I learned is that the Royal Canadian Mounted Police iconic red jacket is not only copyrighted by the Royal Canadian Mounted Police, but you never own your Mountie jacket when you're a Mountie. You are only lent it. You're just inhabiting it for the for the role, for the duty. That's right. Canadian because duty. The, the jacket uh, is uh, is sacrosanct. And you it's don't sort get of to... like the way you refer to the queen. You've got the queen, but the queen is different from the throne. Right? And you've right. got the pope, but that's different than the Vatican or the papacy. There's this yeah. thing that's bigger than you that you're just inhabiting. And in that case, it's a red coat. Yeah, you got the pope over here. Yeah. Like... <laughs> we got no soup. Um, right. The jacket, the, the emblem of the Mounties is, um, is a thing that when you're done being a Mountie, you give the jacket back. So you don't see Canadian punk rockers out rolling around in old Mountie jackets with the big anarchy. It's not like West Germany green jackets that are just everywhere. No, it's not. And so I... Um, I was up uh, in the Canadian internet. I don't know if you've ever been to it. Hmm. Uh, Is that the, the Canadian... dot, that's the dot .ca? Yeah, and it's um, that you know, that's that's almost like a fully functioning internet up there. Yeah, it's a lot friendlier. Mm. Uh, but I'm up there, and I'm like, look, I want one of these, and they're like, sorry. Mm. And then I found a guy outside of Ottawa, who, as far as I could tell, lives in a shipping container. Okay. And he's a very friendly man. He actually wanted to talk on the phone quite a bit. And because he was helping me, I indulged him in this. And I spoke to him on the phone for a long time and heard all about his many adventures driving a truck in the Yukon Territories and uh, living in a big house with a lot of friends that he doesn't have anymore. Mm. But one thing he does have is a small collection of jackets which were used in the Royal Canadian Mounted Police Academy. Oh, pretty good. 
And they are, in a lot of ways, fancier than Royal Canadian Mounted Police normal tunics. They're called tunics, by the way. Okay. And because they're like cadet jackets, right? It's not like you're the rank and file. These are the these are the hot shots. So they've got a lot of gold braid on them. And I don't even know if the if that academy still makes them wear these jackets. But somehow the fact that they were cadet jackets meant that there was a loophole. And he had some. And I wanted them. Also, you're you're not as far as I know Canadian. So are you are you honor bound? Are you stealing Canadian valor by wearing that? Because it seems to me if you're from a different country, you should be able to get the real deal. Well, but this is the thing. They're not letting them go. Hmm. They're not letting him go. The, scarcity, the, you know, again, scarcity. Yeah, you serve at the pleasure of the president. Yeah. Right? Who, like who works for the queen, who works for the crown. It's all that It's all that stuff, all that stuff, that government stuff that my dad used to have around when he was working for the federal government that would say, like, when you're done using this pencil, return it to the federal government. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, so this guy, very unusual person, and and these jackets had an unusual sizing system, and he and I were negotiating... Uh, what, what jackets he had. And he, I said, listen, just send me the biggest, tallest one you have. I know there are big, tall Mounties, but I'm not willing to take chances. So send me the biggest, tallest one you have. Well, the jacket arrived and it was neither big nor tall, but it was the biggest one he had. And so what I have Merlin is a Mount is a a sixties Royal Canadian mounted police Academy jacket. How long is it? Well, I think it would fit you perfectly. Oh, my God. But I don't want to give you things that you don't want, right? Mm. Because because there are all these people trying to give you things you don't want. I have, I have a whole closet full of things I'm supposed to give you at some point. But here is this thing. If you wore this around, you would be so adamant and fancy. <sighs> There's no one in America that has one of it's these. It's called a Hazar. A Hussar. Search for H-U-S-S-A-R. H-U-S-S-A-R. But isn't aren't I going to get a bunch of Hot Topic stuff here? Q-S-S-A-R. Because I don't want to look like I'm in the problem. No, I think you'll be safe. I think it's hard to know. You know, your Google is not my Google. Your grandma is not my grandma. You know, so so try 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 Googling it. And then you get a handsome mannequin in a Hussar. Hussar. Hussar, it looks like. For $1,500, you can get this one, uh, Napoleonic Wars Dolman. Bonaparte. It's a French Hussar Dolman. Mm-hmm. More specific, Chasseur I just learned the word Dolman literally this week. Really? Dolman is the kind of sleeve I learned about on Project Runway. Dolman is the kind of sleeve you, you learned about on Project, Project Runway. Runway. I'll be hornswoggled. Dolman swaggled. is the kind of sleeve you learned about on Project, Project Runway. Runway. Hussar. Hazar. Hazar. How did you learn about it and why? Oh, because they were talking about making a dolman sleeve, and they said they're kind of tired of seeing that look, and they want to see them uh, doing something else that's not in black. What is a dolman sleeve? I think it's where it's part of the... I, I don't know exactly, but I'm not going to look it up because I don't want to screw up my search history. I got Hazar in there. I don't want to mess myself up. I think it's when you've got a front and a back, and the sleeve is implied by the general shape of the garment. It's not like a separate sleeve that you sew on. Oh, I see. And now I'll find out if I'm right. What is it called? Dolman. Dolman. Wow! Why did I not know about? Well, the problem the problem is that there's a lot of steampunk overlap here, Mm. and the steampunk overlap. Any time I'm walking through the world, Mm -hmm. and I walk into any kind of Venn diagram that 
is like overlapping a steampunk Venn diagram, right, I have right. to tread very carefully. It's a little bit like Juggalos, where like a, there's a certain amount of it where you have like a kind of awe and respect, but you don't you don't necessarily want to be a Juggalo. You've, you've got to be careful that you just stay Juggalo adjacent. Yeah, right. And and with steampunk, like I like leather. I like brass. Sure. I like gold braid. You would love to have a leather typewriter. I like little tinkery things. The other day, I was at one of those, I was walking through one of those little towns uh, where the, and it's here in Washington, it's a little town on the ocean Mm. that has a store that's basically selling old fishing net. There's a guy with literally a corncob pipe. They got a netsman? Selling old net. But then, (laughs) but then the town is, is trying to decide whether it wants to get fancy or not, or whether it even can get fancy. Okay. And so there's a little store where there's a guy selling cigars, but he also sells like nauticalia. Mm. And I you can't. Put, you resi- can put that up in your Siemens hotel. I can't resist it, right? So mm-hmm. I'm in there. I'm looking at old barometers, mm. and I'm like, "How many barometers can a person have in their house before I bet it's a problem?" You get some really nice giant ass compasses. You get big compasses, right? Like, nautic- nice, like, like nautical, nice nautical compasses. Really polished, really, you know, like a like. I want a sextant. I don't even know why. Oh, you could use a sextant. I bet you could pick that up in a weekend. But this is really you'd be, you'd difficult. You'd be reckoning distances like by Sunday. What I don't want though is to have a is to have more stuff in my house that is steampunk adjacent because I already have a lot. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You know when you put it all into one place, yeah, it tells a different story than you want to tell. So I find this walking. Do you have a deep sea diving suit? No. Okay. Have you ever wanted one? It seems nope. like, a, like nope. a gorilla suit. No, 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 no. Really? It's too big. Well, too, I, too big. I, do, okay. I, do I want one? Yes. But am no. I too claustrophobic? Yes. Oh, I just meant to hang there. No, but if it, if it was there, I would want to put it on. And I if know. I put it on, I would have a panic attack. <laughs> but... <laughs> but there is a there's a there was a walking (laughs) get me out of here and then i open it up and put it back and i'd be like i gotta put that on uh because you know desperate act of steampunk self-immolation i have 12 uh different stetson fedoras Mm -hmm. and i would never wear one outside but i wear them around the house all day I look like Adam Savage walking around (laughs) and I'll, and I'll see another, I'll see a fedora like across the room and I'm wearing one and I'll walk over and I'll take the one I have on off and Mm -hmm. I'll replace it with the other one. Because you always carry two. You got to have two. Mm -hmm. You got to have a reserve. Three is two, two is one, one is none. You know, like I I want a shoulder holster. Yeah. But I realize. Oh, like your buddy Ed Brubaker? (laughs) Well, my buddy Ed Brubaker wearing wearing my pistol under my, under my Levi's vest. In case you got a pistol whip, a punk. But I realized, I think probably back then, that, and, and, and this entire show, the entire history of Roderick on the Line, all points to one thing, hmm. which is that I should never, ever, ever carry a concealed weapon. Interesting. Because, because I'm, a na- I'm a natural born sheriff. Hmm. And all those dummies out there carrying, uh, you know, like carrying pistols are all. And they're they not also even, th- a lot of them are not even officers. They're not at all. Mm mm. They think of themselves as sheriffs, too. But the problem is, I know I'm a sheriff. And if I was carrying a gun around, I would be sheriffing all the fucking time. And that is not what the world needs. There is not a single parking lot that you attend to that would go unsheriffed. I would sheriff. I would. I'd be sheriffing everybody. I'd be like one of those Australian shepherds who's like every yeah. time somebody tries to run, you pull the kids back dog. into the yard. You grab their pants with your teeth. You pull them back <laughs> in the yard. That's you. Yeah. That's you with a pistol in a parking lot. Yeah, that's not what I need. Froggy went to court and he did ride. 
but I do want a shoulder holster, and I'm not sure what to put in it. Your and phone, I'm, I'm, obviously. A, oh, no, I'm not going to be my phone. <laughs> I think what it should be is one of those. Your steampunk phone. A collapsible brass telescope. <laughs> <laughs> oh no no it's your travel sextant you only need one you can keep it in your top hat <laughs> i want it but i don't want to be it oh no and so here i am i'm looking at these hussar jackets uh-huh and i'm like oh i really like that you're oh, a I really steampunk like golem <laughs> you accumulate enough clay and pretty soon you're saving judaism <laughs> oh we have fun don't we Oh, that's fun. That's fun stuff. Really fun.